Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. Today, I'm very excited because we have my guy, T, Svi. Uh, welcome to the show, my friend, incredible entrepreneur and just someone who I respect a lot. Appreciate you having me, brother, man. I always appreciate speaking with you. Uh, so first things first, I, I always just love getting an idea of what people are excited about. So what, what excites you the most right now, whether it be on the sports side, the social media, the marketing side, what do you get most excited about uh, in your day to day? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, right now, man, I'm just excited about opportunity, right? Whether that's in the financial space, whether that's in the marketing space, whether that's in the sports space, Super Bowl just happened, NBA season's going on, MLB season's about to start. Um, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity right now, you know, and, and that's what excites me. Makes sense. I'd love to talk about sort of your origin story. Did you, did you, I assume you went to school, right? Yeah, I went to college, but I studied, uh, I studied history. I studied history. So it has nothing to do with kind of where we're at now. How, where did that change take place? How did you go from, you know, potentially could have been a killer historian, but obviously you went a different direction. How did that change happen? For sure. And, and to be honest, I was going to be a high school history teacher and uh, I was, I was accepted and ready to go to Columbia's teacher's college. And um, this was my senior year of school. I was I got an internship to SLAM. Well, backstory, I applied for an internship to 50 publications, you know, everyone from ESPN to Esquire to WMAGQ, and only one or two got back to me, and one of them was Ben Osborne, who was the editor-in-chief at SLAM at the time, and this was probably summer, you know, and he's like, let's meet up sometime during the semester. Three, four months go by, I email him, I'm like, hey, we're halfway down the semester, like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, come by the office in a couple of weeks and let's meet. And fortuitous timing, you know, we had a meeting and I just remember being in the office and this was height of like Celtics, big three era, KG, Ray Allen, <clears throat> Paul Pierce. And they were like, what's your team? And at the time I was a Celtics fan and they were like, ah, everyone's a Celtics fan right now. Like prove it. I was like, well, honestly, I became a Celtics fan when they had Rick Fox and Dino Raja and when the whole Brian Shaw fiasco happened. So I kind of go way back and they were like, oh, that's like legit. You're actually a sports fan. And um, honestly, once I got a foot in the door, I was going to do everything I could never to get back out. Internship started a month later. I moved around all my classes to make it work. Uh, and, you know, I knew it was real when on the day of my graduation, cap and gown in hand, I walked from Madison Square Garden to the office to put in an afternoon of work. And um, I've never looked back, man. I've never looked back at all. Wait, wait, wait. You had to walk at the garden? <laughs> yeah, in the, in the green room, like where the draft used to be and, you know, where they have some like minor concerts and stuff. That's where it was. And then Slam at the time was on 25th and Broadway. So short walk down. And I just remember, you know, I used to go in in sweatpants and a t-shirt or whatever. And I'm dressed up and buttoned down and everyone's like, what's going on? And I was like, well, I just walked. Uh, I just graduated, you know, minutes ago. And yeah, man, you know, I think the biggest thing in our industry, if you work in sports, marketing, PR, biz dev, agent is, is communication. And I think in studying history, man, I really just learned how to write. I really learned how to communicate myself. And I think that transcends everything. You know, I know how to write, whether that's a good email or a good article, hopefully good. But, you know, really just knowing how to get your point across and knowing how to make sure that you come off as best as possible and make sure that your meaning can't be misinterpreted. Totally. You know, and you see people, I feel like most of the problems that arise in today's world, whether it be super public facing at like a high level, or even just 
person to person. It's always just communication issues. That's it. That's it. And whether it's written or whether it's, you know, verbal, like you just have to come across the proper way. And that doesn't always mean the same thing. It doesn't always mean being well-spoken, well-written. It just means you have to be personable. People have to like you. And, and most importantly, people have to trust you and people have to know what you're talking about. And that is maybe, you know, the, the thing that I think that has pushed me the furthest is really just knowing that those are skill sets that I find important and then really just working on them to make sure that, you know, people, people know who I am and can respect who I am. A hundred percent communication. And then the lack thereof is the, is the other side of it. Just, you know, not, not being open. So maybe if everybody, you know, had studied to be a historian, the world would be in a lot better place. And it could be, it could be, man. But ultimately I think if everyone just, tackled what they wanted to tackle and really went at it full steam we'd be we'd be in a good zone and um you know maybe we're heading that direction who knows yeah i think social media has opened that up for a lot of people um that maybe otherwise wouldn't have realized that because there are different like you know i feel like what a lot of what you're talking about is like following your passion and doing things of that nature like that's why you're happy because you've been able to do you know since then what you've for the most part i imagine wanted to do um you know and I, I feel like there are different levels there's like the stuff you're kind of passionate about like for me i was kind of passionate about being a broadcaster and then i discovered like the social media thing and i was like oh well, now you can kind of do whatever the hell you want um and i feel like a lot of other people are, are discovering that as well and hopefully it does put us in, in that better place like you're talking about yeah and to your point man following but then finding you know you may not know what your passion is or may think you know what it is but then you actually learn what it is along the way and i think i mean who am i man i'm no great philosopher but that's the key to life man is finding your meaning and then zoning in on that you know totally and nobody's a great philosopher until they're gone also that's yeah. that's just the fact of the matter so you might you might also be um we'll find out or you'll find out you tell me <laughs> right exactly um so you started off at slam and then i know you worked at stance and you worked at a bunch of different places sort of how did that what does your sort of chronology look like in 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 that sense for sure so i was at slam for about a half decade started as an intern was really lucky to get an editorial position which only comes open every few years there you know small small publication does a lot of big work, but it's small as far as personnel growing now, but small then. Um, and kind of moved up the ladder there, really put in put in my time. And um, at a certain point in time, Stance, which was then a growing company, just getting into sports was like, we need someone to kind of come in and direct our sports efforts. And so, you know, the offer was right. The timing was kind of right. Um, and the idea of you're a good journalist, maybe, but not great, not transcendent. So maybe this is your opportunity to kind of move on. And and I hit the ground running and worked in marketing for Stance and got to be the first NBA Encore logo, be a part of our sock deal, and then MLB on field, and then NFL license, and a bunch of other licensing during that term, you know, Space Jam and Uncle Drew and Disney and, you know, a bunch of affiliated pieces. But for me, and then we'll talk about the next one after that, but for me, the biggest learning was just like storytelling. You know, journalism is about storytelling. Podcasting is about storytelling. Being on social media is about storytelling. And, and marketing is about storytelling. And so I changed my seat at the table. I changed my position. I changed which way I was looking. 
but telling stories didn't change. You know, I went from telling it about a single player to kind of saying, okay, what is our brand story this quarter? Or what story are we telling with this party or this event? Or why are we signing this athlete? And what is the messaging we're trying to get across? And I think for me, I had that realization and I'm sure some people in the field of marketing disagree, but I had that realization that if you can tell a great story and figure out how to execute it, you're gonna win or you're gonna put yourself in a position to win. And uh, I think that transcends, you know, and when I was at Stance, we, we were lucky enough and yeah, I guess we were skilled enough too to engage in a collab with, with Kobe Bryant and Kobe Inc. during this last season. Um, you might remember we did an NBA on court sock. I believe it was the first sock ever that like commemorated an active player. <laughs> you know, it, it had his while he was playing and he wore them and, and that must have been an interesting Crazy moment. Concept. Yeah, the Lakers wore them on two occasions. I remember one very well because they actually beat the Warriors, and this was during their amazing season. So, um, and, you know, and then they wore them the last game of the season. But you know, that went off well. Whatever it was, we built some connections, and you know, a few years down the line, I ended up being brought on as you know CMO at Mamba Sports Academy and working you know along those lines. And you know, just again, storytelling, storytelling, right? How do you go from being a journalist? you know, and working on Slam Magazine to being in sports marketing and brand marketing to, you know, being the CMO of a, you know, of an academy, for lack of a better term. The only common thread there outside of sports is storytelling. And if you can tell a great story, which mostly you can, you can get where you want to go and you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. And whether that story is about athletes or cards or bitcoin or finances if you can talk in such a way that excites people and that captures them and that gets the point across you know you can be successful a hundred percent so much to unpack there first things first i love that you mentioned cards in there but to talk about stance um what, what do you think differentiated stance you know and put them in a position to where they were able to buy the sock license rights for the nba over nike and adidas and all of the above what, what do you think it was i mean did storytelling put them in that in that position too like how do you think they were able to get themselves from you know not having been known to that where it took sure. another company 30 years yeah, for that apparel yeah, two part. One is is ingenuity, and two is relentlessness. So the ingenuity was, you know, you're going back now, you know, more than half a decade, you know, seven, eight years at this point. Is no one socks were small. Think back to like, you know, when you were a teenager, when you were 14, 13, 12, like socks were just becoming a thing or weren't really a thing. And the founders of Stance were had enough foresight to see like this could be an industry. This is a blank space that's going to fill up. You know, and the only thing that was there at the time was Nike Elite, but that was like I remember the days, man. You had to have Elites. You had to have I it. Have elites. And Stance came in and, and really differentiated the game, and they were the first ones. I remember this before I was there, but at NBA All Star one year, I want to say Houston, they came out with sublimated legends, so printed art of of you know former NBA greats and Hall of Famers on socks, and they were just available at like top end you know sneaker stores, and they were like limited numbers, and they popped off. They popped off, you know, and then the cool kids were wearing them. Like everyone that kind of mattered or drove brand awareness was wearing them, and so I was like, oh wow, like there's something here. These are really really cool. And then um, one of my mentors, who was, you know, a VP at Stance at the time, Clark Miyazaki, uh, him and you know, a couple of the founders were relentless about wanting to do more than the NBA and pitching this proposition 
of let's get a stock license. Let's do an encore stock license, right? Like the Adidas deal is running out. You guys are going to do a deal with someone new. Maybe it's Nike, maybe not, whoever it was at that time. But it's like, let's carve out socks and do a sock deal. And obviously the answer was no, many, many times over, <laughs> you know, but uh, there came a point in time. And again, this, this isn't my story. This is Clark's story, but they literally presented uh, a few of our good friends, you know, shout out Lisa, but they presented a, a, almost like a blank check to the NBA. Like, what would it take? You know, and here's a seven figure check, you know, and this is how serious we are about getting this encore license. And um, I think at that point, the conversation started in earnest. Like, let's look at this and let's make it happen. And there's a lot of different ways it could have been executed and a lot of different ways it could have worked and ways it would have been way worse and ways it could have been even better. But it ended up being a two-year on-court deal, kind of in the year between between Adidas, Nike. And uh, it was phenomenal, man, to be there in point position, executing against it from a player perspective, from an NBA perspective, the team I was working with, BJ, Clark, Corey, everyone working alongside us, like, just phenomenal spot to be. And I thought I was connected when I was, you know, working at Slam. Like, you can go in the locker room before the games, players know you, agents know you. It was just different. You know, it was different. And I was lucky enough to, you know, be part of the celebration at all of those finals, you know, every year that we were on court before and after. But just the level of being in close to the game, the game that we love, man, like really being a part of it was was awesome and every time you turned on the tv seeing the guys wearing your logo you know a small southern california brand you know maybe at the time 75 employees 100 employees you know i remember the first night seeing anthony davis wear it i, I think the pelis played the warriors opening night that first season 15 16 and to see like ad a picture of ad wearing the socks was like i mean we did it we did it right like this is something that we'll we'll talk about with our kids and they won't remember it and stance will be huge or it won't be but it, it doesn't matter like no one can take this moment away from us and if you google nba getty 2015 2016 2017 every photo every photo and that that will live forever and for me to have been a part of it especially where i was in life being so young being inexperienced and like breaking my teeth on that deal couldn't have been more lucky couldn't have been luckier you know and i like to think i'm somewhat skilled i like to think i, I know what i'm doing i like to think i serve a purpose but something to be said for right place, right time. You know, I, I walked in while that deal was being sewn up, helped kind of finalize it, you know, in my own little way. And, and that was it. You know, next thing I know, we're, we're building an all-court line. And then the next thing, it leads to doing MLB on field. And it just kind of changed the game in many forms and fashions. And it's funny because Nike's on court now and there's jersey patches now. And people are selling it. But we were actually the first logo ever to be on court, you know, during an NBA regular season game right? Like Adidas's jock tag was tucked into the shorts. Reebok before that tucked into the shorts. We were the first one that the logo was actually on court. And, you know, now you think about Nike, you think about, you know, any logo, Jordan, all these logos are on court now. And that's amazing. And I'm, I'm glad that's the case. Now you have advertiser logos, let alone merch logos. Yeah. And people feel this way. People feel that way. I think it's great. But the fact that we were first to me, like, again, you just can't take it away from us, you know? And again, partly timing, partly skill, partly luck, but wow, man, talk, just talk about like having a moment that was like unmatched, you know? Totally. No, I love that. And it definitely laid, laid a lot of foundation work for other companies to replicate that, not just in the NBA, but in, in other professional sports as well. And I think, you know, I'm excited for, you know, that to be taken over into entertainment more so. So you have like the official socks of like 
TV shows and things like it's all it's all the same thing, just in different. And, and look, we talked about it earlier, right? What am I excited for? I'm excited for opportunity, man. Opportunity and, and innovation. And in that sense, and in that moment, we were the innovators. And uh, you know, crazy. You know, you've been an innovator. You have a channel on social that's crazy following you yourself, dude. You're you're always challenging the norms. You're always building content, working with new brands, and there's something about being first. And look. 90 times out of 100 you know what i'm saying nine out of ten times you won't be successful but on that 10th one like can't nobody tell you nothing you know what i mean like that's the best feeling in the world and and the money is great but the sense of accomplishment is even greater and um you know again whether that's a good investment a good business deal good work good kids whatever it is like when someone comes to fruition and that moment comes it's like that feeling is special you know Right. Being an innovator is, is very similar. I'm not one myself, but I've heard from many friends who are, you know, in angel investing, you know, one out of 30, right? You're, you're an all-time success and you're speaking on stages and like you live on it for the rest of your life. I mean, it's just, but the fun thing about innovating as well um, is just that just it in, inherently, it is something that never ends um, and only pushes it forwards whatever the said subject or, or topic or movement is that then gets other people and then it turns into like one of those hamster wheels of like that, that's, it, that's it like at stance we uh we a lot of copycats followed us man some are doing really well and like i'm proud of that man if you have an idea that's so good that someone else wants to jump on it afterwards or while you're doing it like man that's amazing i must have been doing something right and stance was doing something right and i you know i was a part of it and incredible man incredible but i think to talk about stance's success goes back to something we were talking about and um you know good communications but more than that good people you know the founders were just incredible and obviously great businessmen you don't you don't start a, a company that reaches that level and look at their backgrounds but just dope people you know and like you wanted to work with them and they got talent that way you know not even with the packages and the comp packages but with how good they were and like how they excited you and how they got you ready to go to work and you know like i was saying my mentor my supervisor clark like the way the dude thought like i don't know you know i know a lot of people who have since left there and everyone came out a different person than they came in you know everyone is an innovator or an entrepreneur or is doing stuff more than just a day job just about and I think that speaks a ton to, you know, that founding five. A hundred percent. Then to jump to your time at the Mamba Academy, what do you think your, your, like the, the lessons that you learned there that you couldn't have learned elsewhere? What are some of those that, that have stood out for you? For sure. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that I learned, man, is that you can have the best laid plans and, um, you know, the unexpected can happen. The craziest thing can happen, you know, and I can envision a uh, hundred ways that my tenure there would have went. And the way it kind of went, the way second half of it went was definitely not one of those a hundred ways. And um, yeah, you really like, it's just that, man, it's moving on your feet. It's again, being innovative. It's, it's being ready for the moment, whatever the moment is. And now, right now, uh, you know, I'm helping a bunch of athletes with their brand development, with their digital and social marketing, uh, with their merchandise. And the biggest thing I tell them is like, we plan for just about two months for that one moment to happen. But it's always being prepared for whenever that moment's going to happen. And, and it was the same thing, you know, like uh, you just stay ready, you stay prepared, you stay up to date with what's going on in the industry, you stay plugged into the company and to your coworkers. And when something happens, good or bad, you're ready 
to uh, do what needs to be done. And I think that was the lesson there. And a good example just now with what I'm working on is I'm working with a great young cornerback named Sean Murphy Bunting um, yeah. on the Buccaneers and great guy, great guy. And now Super Bowl about- champ. Super Bowl champ now and you know I don't have to tell him that he knows it and um he does <laughs> we, we talked all season about you know that moment that moment when's that moment coming you know and that's my message when I'm working with guys is I there's a lot that we can talk about doing but we can only execute on it or it will only work when there's something that happens on field that precipitates and uh you know we playoffs you can go out and get interception in three straight games you know you're playing your ass off and go in the Super Bowl. You were ready for the moment. You made a moment happen. So whether that's the social growth that's come because of that, which is exponential, whether it's the merchandise that we launched the night the night of the Super Bowl, which has been selling really well, or whether it's you know just the business and brand development and the brand awareness. People know your name now. You know what I'm saying? You didn't know his name three months ago. You know his name now. Is uh is what comes of it, and it's just being ready for that moment. Um, and that's it, man. I feel like people like you and me, like we work 360 days a year for those five days, those five moments that that are everything. They're the days that maybe you make your money. They're the days that you grow your following. They're the days that you hit the jackpot. And you have to stay ready all year for those because if you're not ready for them, you can't take advantage of them. And you can have a three interception day, but if you don't have the plan alongside it to go out with it, what did that do for you? So it's really just maximizing those moments. And, and I think I, I definitely learned that um, over the past, you know, year for sure. You know, it's a really interesting take that the, the way you just articulated it on a concept that I believe in deeply, which is one of the worst things that can happen to you is a ton of success or virality right out of the gate, because then you don't have that preparation. You don't have that plan to back it up. Let's say you put out your first YouTube video and you get 10 million views. Then people go to your channel and they look for what else you have and you have nothing. Exactly. First video. And now you have to back that up with something as good in a tenth of the amount of time. You can't do it. It's impossible. And there's also an element of luck involved. So I think it, it really screws you over algorithmically, mentally, and yeah. then strategically as well. And it's just an all all around no no. Whereas if you did what you're talking about, which is plan things, you know, work at it, get consistently better, and then you're ready. And then afterwards, you're just doing the same thing that you were always doing because you were doing it before. Yeah, and I compare it to sports, right? You work out all off season, you work out on off days, so that when those game day comes, eighty two in the NBA or seventy two or seventy, but sixteen in the NFL, hundred sixty two or hundred fifty in the MLB you you're ready you're ready you are going to play your best or as best as you can because you've been working for that moment and it applies in business it applies to social media it applies to digital media like always stay ready and get ready for those moments so when they do come you can take advantage of them i think that's fundamental to everything we do whether you're an entrepreneur a journalist work in marketing you know or work in pr comms like that's the key is, is you know being and staying ready a hundred percent. I do want to talk about some of the other people you're helping build brands and, and sort of the importance of building a personal brand as an athlete, particularly in regards to the longevity and business opportunities. But I did also want to ask you, since obviously you had such a unique relationship with the 
the late goat uh, Kobe Bryant. What what were some of the biggest things that you learned from him or that you thought about him beforehand that were confirmed true? You know, maybe in regards to his work ethic or or just main takeaways that that people might not necessarily know. For sure, for sure. I'll tell you, this is kind of the way I approach it still to this day, and you might think I'm crazy, but, um, you know, it's still pretty recent to me, and the way I kind of approach his loss is um, just keep it internal, man. Like we, you know, I'll say this, we have many great conversations, and for me, the way I, I keep spirit alive is I, I, I keep it to myself. Like I still have that ownership yet. I haven't shared anything because for me, like, that's mine, and, like, it's not the world's, and um, that's the way I like to approach it, you know, and maybe one day that'll change, but for now, there's so much content out there, let's say, that I don't feel like anyone needs to hear what what I have to say, or my thoughts, or my knowledge, like, for now, I kind of, you know, that'll be one day, hopefully, memories I can share with my son and my daughter, and, um, you know, otherwise, like, I'm like, I have nothing to add to the conversation of note, you know? There's definitely, I can't wait for documentaries in the future. That's all I can say. Um, back back to the sort of importance of building a personal brand from a young age, because a lot of the people you do work with are on the younger side, right? Yes, for sure. For sure. Well, where do you sort of see that that importance in regards to building something that, you know, maybe isn't only based on their on-field or on-court performance and you know how how should these sort of athletes um position themselves from that personal brand standpoint utilizing social for the for their long-term success for sure i mean to your point you leverage what you're doing on court you leverage what you're doing on field to kind of help you grow your brand help you grow your star help you know People care about you because of basketball or football, but you can show them the other side of who you are and what you're doing and take advantage of the fact that they care about you in the first place. And I think for me, when I approach the brand awareness and when I approach brand building, it's always identifying that North Star. And that comes from the player, but like, what do you care about? What, what do you hope to accomplish? Are we growing your following and growing your brand name and your awareness so you can make more marketing money? There's nothing wrong with that, but is that, is that the case? Cool. Are we doing it because you want to be a rock and a pillar in your community and you want to be a philanthropist and you want to give back as much as possible? So the bigger your social following, the bigger your megaphone, the bigger difference we can make. Love that. Great. Incredible. And do you just want to build your brand because you're not sure why yet, but you know you have this amazing opportunity and in three years or five years or 10 or 15 years, it'll be gone. So take advantage of it for the moment so that when you do know what you want to do with it, you can go ahead and do that. And, you know, so far, those are kind of the three angles that I've seen, and, and I appreciate all of them. I think the biggest thing, though, is that the guys have to, and the women have to genuinely want to do it, right? Like, it's not like uh, my agent wants me to create a brand or like so-and-so. It's like, no, nah, like, if you want it to happen, if you want to be successful at it, it it's got to it's gotta come from here. It's got to come from here. Like, you really have to put your chest into it. You got to want to do it. And that doesn't have to mean it's active, right? I could do it for you. Somebody can do it for you, probably even better than me. It just means that you have to know what goes into it, you know, from a social perspective, from a digital perspective, from a speaking perspective, from a content perspective. Like you just have to know that like it doesn't just happen because you want it to happen. There's steps involved and there's work involved. And like, are you down for the ride for real? And if you are, honestly, it doesn't matter what sport you play. It doesn't matter how good you are. We can maximize that. And that's me and a thousand other people. But, you know, we can make that happen for you. 
And if you don't, or you're not ready, that's cool. Like focus on the field work, focus on the court work, let that speak for you for now. And I have a client, um, you know, I won't even name right now, but everyone knows who he is. And his whole thing was his first couple of years in the league in the NFL, he just focused on being the best player he could be. And he feels like he did that, right? He and his family did that. They really left their mark on the field. And it's like, okay, now I can take a breath and I feel like I'm still focusing as hard as ever on field, but people know that now. They know me as a great player or a good player. Now I can also put a little bit of effort and energy into like maximizing that moment and creating a brand around it. And for him, a lot of it is uh, philanthropy you know, an entrepreneurship. And, and so it's like, great, like, you know, people won't be confused and think that I'm not focusing on the game anymore. Like, no, they know I'm focused on the game and now they won't judge me if they see that I'm also posting about other things. And I, I think honestly, that's a, a great perspective. Unless you are that dude, like as a rookie, focus on being great. Focus on being great at the number one thing and everything else is everything else. And we can make it work for you when the time is right. Because again, if you're focused on all that other stuff and you're not performing on the court, it's not really going to execute. You know, it's not really going to execute. And, um, you know, that, that's kind of like my mindset on it is going back to the point, make moments happen and then we can go and execute on them with the game plan that we've already created. But you got to make those moments happen. If you're a football player, those moments start on the field. A basketball player, they start on the hardwood. You know, a baseball player, they start on the diamond. Golfer, they start on the 18th. And make those moments happen, create them. And then me and a bunch of my peers and people like you are out there ready to help you execute on the game plan. But it starts with the moment. A hundred percent. And I think those, all of those things are applicable to things outside of sports too, right? Like just to, to give other, you know, contextual examples. Like if you're a, a poet, you're Amanda, right? And you speak at the inauguration, she was ready. And she capitalized on the opportunity and then, you know, people were able to execute on her being able to execute. It's like the two, la two layers of execution. You show up like, um, you know, I'll use a podcast example. Elon Musk goes on Joe Rogan's podcast. He does a great job. Every, a lot of the other stuff takes care of itself. And then, you know, it'll snowball if you have the right team and right people around you into greater and better opportunities than ever before and and 100 percent in sports it's very directly correlated i think it, it's just as much so for people really anybody in their day-to-day -day, like whatever they love or are great at like you even have that for your own like you executing on somebody else's execution is is the same thing for you yeah that's my yeah, that's my and execution and yeah for sure that. and i I think to your point, like sports is the greatest metaphor for life. So we're using sports examples and that's the world I inhabit, but it applies to business, parenthood, you know, there's nothing it doesn't apply to in some form or fashion. And so look, yeah, the, 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 one of the greatest keys to life is being ready, staying ready, getting ready. You never know when that moment's going to come, when that luck's going to come, when that break's going to come and, and you can go out and crush it because you're ready for it, you know? And, so it is, man. You can, you can usually see who is ready, who isn't ready, you know, and the work speaks for itself. A hundred thousand percent. Um, last question. If you could go back and tell yourself at, you know, 20, 22 years old, uh, one piece of advice, what, what are you going back and telling yourself? And you can't say to invest in Bitcoin or sports cards. <laughs> I'll give you a quick note on that, though. I did have a roommate who in, in 2011, I believe, did invest in Bitcoin. 
So bless him, man. I could probably you know, <laughs> pay me back for a few months of rent, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, the greatest advice would be take notes, you know, take notes, take notes of your wins, take notes of your losses but take notes of the moments, you know, and, and when I was young in the game, actually, I, I tried doing this every game I went to as a journalist covering it, I would sit in the stands and outside of whatever I was writing or whatever feature I was working on a profile, I would try to take personal notes from, from that day. Who did I speak to in the press room? Um, you know, what did I see? What, what did I, you know, what did I pick up on? Uh, who did I see do something that I found very interesting? And I've gone back and looked at it and it's like, wow, firstly, as a precursor to some greatness, you know, I saw like Alan Hans rise, you know, firsthand and different people, but just like the tips you can pick up for one hand and the things you can learn positive and negative is incredible. But B, just having those notes, having those memories, you know, and, and you can do it on a Word doc, you can do it on social media, just archive your social media and, you know, look at it, print it or whatever, you know, put it on, uh, put it on a Word doc and look at it. But just man like don't don't forget these moments and these days and you know take you for instance is in the blink of an eye you're on to the next thing you know you're done with pods and you're doing something just on clubhouse or you're doing something just on tiktok and it'll be good to have these archived it'll be good to go back and look at these in 10 years and uh you know that, that's kind of where i'm at you know sometimes i go back and look at articles that i wrote features that i wrote and i don't remember writing them and i'm so glad that i have them and the notes surrounding them uh, because it just it brings back a moment in time and I did it to an extent and I wish I had done it more and I you know it's hard to find time in the day to do anything that you know isn't purposeful but I think that is purposeful in a sense and I urge a lot of people to take notes you know and on your personal things on things you observe you know I keep a moleskin on me at all times and you know, I'm always writing, even if it's just quick, shorthand, something that, that I want to get back to later. It's like keeping your web browser tabs open. You know, you always plan on coming back to it. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, but at least these won't crash. You know what I mean? And um, that's it, man. Like, really, uh, the moments, man, the moments. It's hard to get them back, so try to take notes, you know, and some of them you're going to forget, man. You're going to have you and everyone going to have so many moments in life. You're not going to remember all of them and do your best, you know, to, uh, to record some of them in some form or fashion, you know what I mean? So that one day you and your offspring or, hey man, you're gonna be great, you're gonna be famous, someone's gonna be writing a biography about you, a historian can go back and learn all about you. Totally, I, I love all of that. And also, I, you know, something that I try to remind myself of is, you know, like our memory, like there is a limited capacity to our memory, which gets worse every year. Like my memory is not going to get any better. Right. I mean, there's some little things that you can do, eat the right foods, exercise, do all that. But once you're doing that, there's not that much more that you can do. Um, uh, and, and think about you, bro. Right. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but right now you're moving around city to city, right? You're like you're making the most of, you know, working from home and, and being down during the pandemic and incredible incredible right so if you're taking a ton of pictures i know you're posting on social i know hopefully you're writing some stuff down too or audio recording or video recording because it'll be hard for you wherever you are in 10 years to believe that yo i actually pulled that off i did that i lived in 30 cities this year or i lived in six countries like how did i do that and what was that like and you'll have memories to your point you know what i mean but eyewitness testimony isn't that great as we know so to go back and look at what you wrote in the time and what you've recorded in real time will be like 
oh yeah, I actually really did love Nashville or oh no, I really didn't like Nashville. You know what I mean? But like, it'll be, it'll be there in writing. Saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love everybody in Nashville, but I didn't find much to do there. No, but th- that's what this podcast is. I mean, this podcast is a verbal and audio recording of all of my favorite conversations in perpetuity. That's why I do it. To your that's point. It, man. It's just a, it's a moment in time. You know what I mean? And to capture it, I think is incredible. And again, maybe that goes to my history background. Maybe that goes to the fact that I love sports journalism and journalism in general. And if you read things written in the seventies, eighties, nineties, before that, after that, they don't always stand the test of time, but even just to read them is so intriguing to get that snapshot, that moment in time. And, um, man again it comes back to storytelling you know what i mean and and the ability to tell them the ability to listen to them and you know that's it man that is that is the gist of it i think that's why we all love sports that's why we all love a game winner we love the story of what went into that moment that moment happening and the stories we can tell about where we were when that moment happened you know what's the first thing you think about when i tell you the Kawhi shot oh my god just the photos for the most part but I mean, I was I was at one of those games, and I wasn't at the the final one, but yeah, just the intensity and hype around that. And then I was at uh, OVO Fest right afterwards. So Drake came out with the giant championship. Everybody's going crazy. Yeah, that was yeah, man, exactly. You think about that, and for me, I think about Kawhi's backstory and his journey, and you know, coming up in SoCal and coming up in the IE, and I think about Joel Embiid being right there crying on the floor. I think about Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? And I just there's so many stories and we each derive our own, you know, meaning from it. And we each pluck certain stories that we like or that speak to us. And um, so it is, man, that's the fabric of life. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm no great philosopher. Honestly, I don't, I don't know anything, man, but I, I do know that that's it, man. Like we can all connect through stories, man. And that's the beautiful thing about sports. And um, you know, whether you're watching the Super Bowl or whether you're watching a heat game last night, there's a story behind that and the story behind the game there's a story behind every player in the game and honestly most of them haven't even been told yet and i can't wait to read about them tell some of them help the players tell some of them see you tell some of them and um you know that's it man so that's it man i'm I'm looking forward to all the opportunity coming forward you know some positive some negative but you know find those moments be prepared for that moment and make the most of that opportunity, you know, shout out to Sean Murphy Bunton did just that, you know, the Buccaneers did just that a bunch of NBA teams doing just that right now. Miles Turner came on here with you a week, two weeks ago and did just that told an incredible story that I had never heard before. And, you know, about his the mom, one about his mom. So yeah, good. of course, of course, you know, and for you, that was a moment too, because he came on your pod and he told that story and it went, you know, it went viral and like, that's good for you and it's good for him. And it was a great story. So it's good for everybody. And, and, and that is what it is, you know what I mean? And now we're not going to go viral, bro. Sorry, you got the wrong guy on here. Nobody cares about me, but. Yeah, it's depth and not width. This got more than two thirds. This, this, this is for that niche audience, but that's it, man. Like, I, I think, you know, we're in the business of stories, man. And I love, love the NBA and, and all sports just for the amount of stories that are there. Miles story's barely been told man he told you a snippet of it and now i want to hear even more of it you know what i mean he's a really smart guy he's super super sharp super sharp and it's incredible how many athletes i think athletes on average are smarter than the average person in my opinion by far you can't get to where they are without being you know damn near a savant you know what i mean and and navigating those lanes they have to navigate whether that's interpersonal or whether that's just off the strength of iq and 
you don't make it. You don't become that 0.001% if you're not special. And man, I, I see that in every dude I talk to and every woman I talk to in WNBA and in soccer league, like they're different. They're built different. They're special. It's just and different, man, it's so obvious too. Like the second you meet them, anybody who is an expert at anything or great at anything, like you for marketing and, and the stuff that you're doing, you know, miles for blocking shots. And, you know, hey. if I had to bet on it, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that he's going to be defensive player of the year in the near future. Right. It's so like people who are, who narrow lock in on anything. You know, I had um, a Nobel prize winning paleontologist for him. It's that, you know, but to lock in on that thing because they love it. And that, yeah, I, I'm a believer in a, time energy passion drive everything but it's also how you're able to uh, convey that passion onto other people be passionate sure. about really anything but if you're passionate enough you'll get the whole world excited about it that's it and i'm gonna call you on it though you said you're not a betting man but i know you mess around with the markets i know you mess around with bitcoin a little bit so like you are a betting man you just you just don't think of it in that sense well, i can't so. legally bet on sports yet i'm 20. Oh, I, okay. Okay. I hear that. I hear that. That's, but I that's do, fun. I very, very publicly bet on sports cards and uh, privately uh, cryptocurrency. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. What is, um, I know you've spoken about this, but any good uh, sports cards pickups, you know, recently? I mean, here, I'll, I'll show you. I'll just, I'll just with Matt, we'll do a little show and tell to close out. The <laughs> Those, I, got, I, got, I got a couple right here in my uh, on my desk too. For those who are listening to the audio, just go over to YouTube and you can watch the end of this. Um, yeah, I'll show you some favorites. Uh, I went big on Pokemon about a year ago. Some of these. I, trust me, I remember that. I remember that you were early in, and for me, it's like I'm not interested enough to like go into that. Even if I believe in it as a market, I just don't know enough. But I remember when you did. So I'm a fan of. I like. More recently, I like buying the best, like the legends. It doesn't matter. Like I'd rather spend a thousand dollars on a Roger Federer signed 2003 Net Pro rookie than I would a young guy. Nothing against that. That's just sort of where my head's at. Um, here's a Kyrie tonight 199 rookie auto. Uh, you'll get a kick out of this. this is Jerry Jones business card signed. Um, I wish I had all my president autographs because I'm obsessed with collecting president presidential autographs. It's a 1999 uh, unlimited Charizard. Um, you'll get a big kick out of this. This is the highest graded Stevie Wonder 1969 Panini Cantanti card in the world. Um, they are under ridiculously underappreciated. Um, yeah, what's what's funny is man, when I was at Stance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You were saying? Oh, uh, when I was at Stance, you know, I, I worked with Panini, had a lot of good friends there. And we we did a bunch of stuff when we had the NBA on court, you know, they'll embed a piece of the ball or they'll they'll cut out and embed a piece of the jersey. And so I have a bunch of cards where um, you know, I've kept at different locations and I've given some to different people just off the strength of love because, you know, it's not about that for me, but a bunch of cards. You know, I have like a Montrez Harrell rookie card with like a piece of his sock, a piece of his jersey, a piece of the game ball. And uh, in baseball, this is only going to speak to baseball fans, but, you know, we were outfitting and we do outfit. Stance does outfit for like the home run derby and all-star. Aaron Judge won the home run derby 
I don't even remember what city it was. I think it was Miami, oh, maybe. But best. I have, yeah, I have. I think it, maybe they made ten cards or maybe fifty cards. I don't know. But they cut up the sock and they put it into you know his home run derby winning card. And um, this was tops. And you know, I, I gave two of those away to founders at Stamps, and the third one, you know, someone else has. And I was even recently looking. It's so niche; you can't really find a rating for that card. You know, you can't even really find what it's worth. But I'm sure it's worth something. But to get back to storytelling, and we can end with this, it's worth even more to me because I know what went into that moment. I know what went into the creation of that sock. You know, and you see the sock on a card, and you see it's worth 10k or whatever. For me, it's like, man, I know exactly what it took to get to that moment. I know what it took to work with Tops to create that moment. And, um, you know, that is, is of greater value to me in present, you know, than, than the money. That's a fact. The last couple I'll show you here. Derek Jeter signed rookie auto. And then you'll get a kick out of this just from the apparel side. Can you tell whose business card this is? That's uh, uh, Mr. Phil Knight, huh? Mr. Phil Knight, <laughs> and then yeah. here, I know you, you probably love Mello as much as I do, coming from the New York, his 03 rookie, love Will Chamberlain too, um, That's I, have amazing, a, yeah. I have a couple of these ungraded and then graded, um, and then this, these last, this last one that I'll show you, sort of a story to these, um, you'll never have heard of the guy. His name's Ernie Cavalry. He played in the 1940s. But in, uh, in 1948, Bowman, uh, they still do baseball products, but they haven't done basketball in 50 years. They put out a basketball product. This is the first ever basketball product ever made. They put out one set. It's famous because it has the George McCann rookie and a bunch of really, really high ticket items. But I was like, if that was the first set, what's the number one card in the set? Therefore, the first basketball card ever made. There are only about 50 of them graded. And here it's yeah, like <laughs> so card number one in the 1948 Bowman set. So I, I like, you know, buying things just out of like pure interest and curiosity and that, but also legends. And occasionally I'll gamble on the younger guys, but it's all just so here's, here, here's my question for you. And we'll leave it with this. You know, when I was big into sneakers, and I was for a long time, a little bit less so now, now that I have kids and many, many other interests and, and issues and, and good things, but still love them, not as into them. But I always needed to know where they all were at all times. You know what I'm saying? I had so many and somewhere at my apartment, somewhere at my parents, somewhere here, somewhere there. And like, I always need to know, like, if I needed to get that sneaker right now, do I know where it is? So are you that way with cards, especially knowing that you're traveling right now? You know, how do you keep track of your collection, let's say? Right. So there are, I'll preface it with three things. One, the beautiful thing about cards is that like, this is a card, you know, they stack very well in boxes. You could have a hundred high end cards that take up the same real estate as one pair of sneakers, right? Like, especially like a fear of God type case, it's like ginormous, right? Um, so that, that that's one benefit of it. So you could carry 100, 200 cards with you in a suitcase very easily if you wanted to. There are also companies that hold them for you, like vaults in certain states yeah. that have tax benefits and lots of different things to where holding them in that facility make a lot of you know sense for you and for your peace of mind as well. Um, but then for me, one of the things that I'll do is I'll, I do, I do like four different things. One, I buy a lot of fractional shares of items. So uh, my buddies, I'll just give a quick shout out to them. Rob, he co-founded a company called Rally. 
where they buy high ticket items and fractionally sell them. So Friday, I'm probably going to be, I don't think by the time this releases, but it will have already happened by the time this comes out. They're dropping a Wayne Gretzky PSA 10 1978 Opeachy rookie. It's one of two, it's 830 grand. I'll put in some money and then it just lives within the account. So that's another play on the investing in bar. Also go 50-50 with certain friends and then they'll hold it so that it's at like tons of different locations with people I trust. And then some it's in safes and like in in people I know and like in their houses. Um, Some are on hand so I can trade and sell. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's a combination of all of the above. But you know, if I asked you where I ran, I know where everything is. <laughs> I also have spreadsheets for it all. That's it. That's it. Yeah, you keep track of it like finances. I love that. I love that, man. Yeah, and honestly, again, I love it for the players, man. That that people now see you as you know a piece of art. People see you now as as something greater. And I hope they're getting paid by you know. And I know they were getting paid by the Panidians and Updex and Tops of the world. And you know a piece of whatever anyone else is making should always be theirs as, as the athletes were driving it. Those things are going to go up though. Yeah, I, I love that as of, you know, 50 years after a guy plays, he's being commemorated. You know, someone like you who's 20 as a card of a guy who, you know, played, you know, 40 years before you were born. That's dope. That's dope. That's legacy, you know? A hundred percent. Last thing, uh, where can people find you best if you want them to follow you? And so if you don't, that's totally okay too. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that. I don't, you know, I always appreciate when people follow me, but I don't push for it, but it's at T Twersky. Um, that's on IG, that's on Twitter, you know, and all the other good social medias, TikTok, et cetera. Um, T T W E R S K Y. And um, yeah, you know, appreciate the follows. I try keeping it interesting, you know, a little behind the scenes storytelling. You know, I'm not, I'm not one for the cute, quick caption. I like to tell that three paragraph, like max out your characters, but here's the story behind the picture. And very um, rare in today's age. <laughs> I don't try playing the algorithm, man. I know at the end of the day, the algorithm is going to play me. So at least I try <laughs> keeping my followers entertained, you know? I love that. Well, my man, I appreciate you coming on and appreciate uh, you always appreciate you too brother hopefully you know post covid and after everyone is vaccinated and the world in a good spot we get to link up at some point 100 all right everybody we'll see you on the next one